nowadays these people that uh, have the, the right education are showing more responsibility when it comes to informing people. Welcome to Media Minded, a podcast that helps you tell facts from fiction. Produced by Shoutout UK, the UK's leading political and media literacy education platform, in association with ACT, the Association for Citizenship Teaching. This podcast is made possible thanks to the kind support and sponsorship of the US Embassy in London and the Global Engagement Centre at the US State Department. I am your host, Matteo Bergamini. And I'm here today with Nicholas Zanetos from Cyprus. He's the chief editor of Alpha TV's online news site. Nicholas, thank you so much for joining me. Tell me a bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm currently working as uh, chief editor of the online news website of Alpha TV in Cyprus. Obviously, uh, we are working uh, at the pandemic uh, these days. Uh, it's been <laughs> a, a huge workload. Uh, an enormous workload. Um, I'm also co- a commentator in a new show uh, at Alpha TV, and we cover uh, almost everything every day. I can imagine. I can imagine. I'm, I'm guess you must be sick of um, hearing the term COVID nineteen now. Almost. <laughs> um, so, I mean, uh, you kind of touched on this already, but how has the pandemic affected your work in general? I'm guessing you're getting you're getting more. Um, but how has it affected it? Yeah, um, the main thing is that um, many colleagues have been working remotely these days. Uh, in my case, I come uh, at the office and I need to uh, coordinate the whole operation uh, as from uh, the office. Um, well, uh, the, the workload, as I told you, is enormous these days. We have been working for 12 to 14 hours per day. Jesus. Yeah. The big bet is to be accurate and respond uh, quickly to the amount of information uh, we get every day. We have like a daily information from the Ministry of uh, Health at six o'clock. And we watch closely what's going on uh, around the globe as well. And I mean, you kind of alluded alluded this uh, alluded to this a little bit. But um, what do you feel like is, is what do you feel is the role of the media and and I can't stress this enough responsible journalism, uh, not just during a time like this because obviously getting information, uh, good information to make sure that people react properly around around the pandemic is important, but also in general in society. Would you feel like is the role of the media? The role of the media is. To be there uh, and inform correctly the people from officially and scientifically correct sources, uh, we need to dig and find obviously more information than the ones available officially. But those <coughs> information should be always um, uh, very responsive and uh, responsible uh, to the real facts and uh, must address all. Uh, the issues that uh, people need to to uh, know about and uh, the issues that affect our lives, mm-hmm. our daily lives. No, completely. And and it's, it's obviously a very, very important role, not just, as I said, for, for a pandemic, but also just if you think democracy in general, like it's, 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 it's often the media that is able to um, and has the expertise to hold power to account in a lot of ways. But one thing that we've seen across across the globe is a growing distrust of what people perceive as sort of mainstream media. Uh, have you find have you found this same thing in, in Cyprus and how how is that affecting your work? I think uh, uh, a period of crisis uh, in trust um uh, regarding the media and the society here in Cyprus is uh, behind us now. Uh, that period was during the financial crisis uh, of 2013. Those days were really hard uh, for the media because people were seeing um, um, some, uh, let's say, uh, a role on behalf of the media to uh, reach that point. But these days, uh, things are obviously much more better. 
um, at least um, the the days of the pandemic, people trust media in general. I mean, we had a research uh, report uh, two weeks ago showing that uh, people in um, a percentage of 67% were trusting TV news uh, for their information. And I'm talking about the uh, big uh, media channels. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, there is a um, better situation regarding the online media, which is like um, 57%, I think. That's incredible. And I mean, obviously, you know, changing that trust seems to have happened before um, the, the pandemic. I mean, what, what do you feel was the reason why people started to trust the media more after, uh, after the financial crash? Well, during, uh, during these years, uh, there, is a new, there is new blood in terms of journalists um, that are much more sensitive when it comes to accuracy, when it comes to objective journalism, uh, which really helped uh, to change that negative picture of journalism in Cyprus. Uh, And I believe that uh, things are going to be even better in the future. I mean, uh, nowadays, these people that uh, have the, the right education Showing uh, are showing better response and um, more responsibility when it comes to informing people. And I think society uh, here in Cyprus uh, started to recognize this, which which is amazing because there are a lot of a lot of countries that aren't in that upward trend yet, and um, the, the trust in the media is still is still an issue. Which means that when they put out information, it, it gets you know. Uh, potentially le- less less trusted or um, scrutinized in a variety of different ways. And, you know, scrutiny is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but when you start to favor other organizations or other websites that don't necessarily have the same level of scrutiny just because you think, oh, the mainstream are, are this, that, and the other. And it's interesting that you say that, you know, what improved it was better objective journalism. I wonder if that's something that people across the world can can kind of take and almost learn as a lesson that the way you bring back trust in media as an institution is by being objective, by making sure that you get the facts right. And you don't necessarily, you, you don't take a political spin on things. You just tell the facts as they are. Yeah, especially in these times uh, when we deal with uh, subjects related to public health and human life, and of course the economy at the same time, I think that there is no. Um, any other choice for the media. We need to be objective. We need to be solid when we report. Uh, otherwise, if you are biased, either politically or uh, whatever else uh, is your agenda, at the end of the day, people will find out and will not accept it. Mm-hmm. And they have the right to not accept such um unethical uh, journalism mm-hmm. no I, I completely agree um and, and you mentioned the point of bias which i think is a really interesting one because um like i've said many times before bias is something that i think all of us as human beings inherently have uh, it can be completely harmless like what country you may want to visit you know once this is all over um if you ask me what what holiday or where where you should you travel to uh, to go on a very much by the sounds of it long deserved break uh, i will suggest you countries that i've enjoyed that i like and that's a bias towards those specific countries it's harmless as a bias um but it is very much a bias biases become more harmful when they start to affect other things um but how do you as journalists remove yourself or remove your bias from a story when it's so ingrained in just human nature in general like everything we do has a bias you know we, we we also tell ourselves you know white lies about ourselves about how we sound how we look or anything like that um so it's, it's kind of ingrained in us but obviously as you say in your work it's important to remove it so how how do you how do you do that how do we do that i mean uh in the case of of the pandemic um we need to give voice to those responsible to make decisions for a start. You need to let those people explain why they take those decisions. 
So you, you will be able in the future to check whether those decisions uh, were right or wrong and whether they brought the, the um, expected results. Then we need to give voice to the people of science these days. I don't think that the politician has much to add to the conversation in fighting the pandemic. And uh, I believe that these times, one of the reasons that we gain the trust of the society here in Cyprus is because we left the politicians out of this game. You know, that is the government that uh, took a very positive stance um, as to trusting the science to make the decisions. Of course, they, they were advising, not deciding. Of course. Um, I believe that the rest of the political parties, in this instance, for a reason, they stood back and they supported uh, the science. So did the, the media at the same time. And, and I believe this really worked in terms of that uh, we didn't have to report uh, many voices suggesting different things because of a political agenda. This really worked for, uh, for Cyprus, I must admit mm -hmm. that. Which, which, is, which is incredible. And I think even here in the UK, we're seeing um, scientists, experts and so forth really take take the front and center stage which i think is is super important and they're the what they're they're the opinions that really should matter but but I, I wonder do you think that this kind of trend in the media will carry on even after the pandemic because you know it's not just during a pandemic when you need expert opinion it could be expert opinion on the economy or on um transportation or whatever else and i think it's it, it's a lesson that, and we've all learned that actually experts are the opinions that matter. These people have studied and engaged with this topic for an incredibly long time. They are the authority. Um, and we should really pay some respect to that and listen to that more than, you know, Joe or Jane Bloggs on the street who has an opinion about the economy. Granted, those people should have their voice, but, but it's the experts that have that understanding. I, I will bring up one example that we had uh, two days ago. Uh, one of the experts, one of the head experts, uh, scientists that advise the government, uh, he was making some statements and he said, you know what, I'm sure that after four or five months, nobody will remember my name. <laughs> Do you think he's wrong? Uh, I don't think that's wrong. I mean, uh, after we finish with all this, I'm sure that we will uh, deal with a different crisis or different issues, and we will probably forget them. But um, the most important thing is that while we have this problem, these guys are in the front line, and um, they have. Um, the saying and they give advice to be people and the media were there to support this advice and explain them and uh, explain them in a, in a way that people will understand and uh, again I'm recalling the results that Cyprus um, is um, bringing in this fight against COVID-19 uh, there was an article in New York Times last week regarding uh, the way that we we are handling the the crisis, and I believe that for um, the first time we gave uh, the right people um, the voice to to speak and to help the officials decide. And I think this is uh, the big picture right now. And I think it's a very important lesson, um, very important lesson learned. If, if there's ever a silver lining. Um, during this whole uh, madness, I think it was that um, I'd say that expert opinion and understanding professionals and and what they bring to the table has, has really come to the come to the forefront. Um, and I hope that that doesn't disappear when 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 all of this is over. I hope that that trend um, remains. Yeah, obviously we can't predict the future, but no. I think that this should become a culture 
when uh, covering news. And yeah, we, we need to follow uh, this recipe, which uh, obviously works. Mm. Completely. I mean, I mean, it, as, as those stats said that you that you mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's it's clear it does it does work, and people trust experts. And if you have more experts on your channel, etc., it's it's great for everybody. It's great for ratings. It's great for 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 public health. It's great for 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 um for people's understanding of 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 the information. Um, one thing to to also mention um. And as we're talking about correct information or factual information based on based on academics and so forth, and one of the things that we've seen um, here in the UK and also in other countries is is the rise of, of misinformation. And I kind of have a theory about why that's the case, uh, if you bear with me. And I think one of the reasons is that the pandemic and the coronavirus, the current coronavirus hitting us is... Um, obviously new science needs to play catch up academics need to play catch up all the experts need to play catch up to be able to understand this understand how to fight it and all the rest of it and that creates a bit of a window where there isn't much information but human beings want things quickly we want things as quickly as possible we want to know stuff before um, anybody else and for me that creates a culture of spreading and listening to and engaging with misinformation more especially during a crisis because there is no alternative or at least no no narrative that appeases our want to understand um and i'm wondering have you have you seen an increase in in, in misinformation in cyprus and, and how are you how are you dealing with it and how is that how is the media dealing with it oh unfortunately misinformation has been a big struggle these days um that is, we uh, try and cross-check every uh, information it comes in, while uh, we monitor a number of uh, EU websites that uh, also monitor such um, information. In the case of Cyprus, we had a small number of people uh, believing fake news around the world uh, in the relation with uh, COVID-19 and the 5G networks. <laughs> Yeah, that keeps coming up. Yeah, uh, this um, small number of people, though, was enough to uh, cause damage uh, to our communication uh, system in uh, Limassol. Um, when some people went out and burned down uh, two uh, network uh, antenna networks, uh, and uh, yeah, we needed to track down and find these people while police is now monitoring social media for people who spread such uh, fake news and uh, they call people to bend down more antennas. Uh, so yeah, we had this, um, which is very new to Cyprus, I must say. We haven't had this type of uh, conspiracy theories so far. And I mean, I mean do you... Has Cyprus even got 5G? Is it, is it being installed? Uh, we haven't even given uh, the licenses uh, to the providers to install and set up a 5G network. So they were actually seeing normal 4G antennas and they were thinking that they were 5G antennas while uh, we don't have them here in Cyprus. I'm guessing these are antennas that have been around for a while as well. One of them was uh, there for 20 years. <laughs> and it's like the experts went out and said that you know we have the restriction measures now people uh, could be sitting on their uh, verandas outside and they just noticed for the first time the antenna that was there for 20 years <laughs> i mean it just shows how much people actually pay attention about the world around them oh my god um, I mean, the five G one has been around for 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 a while, I think, and it's and it's a scary one because um, everyone that I, that we've talked to, but talked to um, for this podcast has has talked about five G at some point. It's very much one that's that's made the rounds across the world, um, and um, yeah, it's it's shocking and also sad because there's there's absolutely no correlation at all. Um, of course, and I and I get tired of saying that sometimes, but yeah, and and yet people still still very much um, almost want it to be true in a way, in a weird way. And um, the the thing is that uh, again, while dealing uh, with the pandemic as such, we needed to bring 
scientists to explain, first of all, that the two issues are not related by giving out facts, and at the same time explain to people that 5G is not dangerous and it's not different from any other type of network, again, by providing facts. Uh, this has been going like for a week now. Every day we have uh, in our uh, shows, news shows, um, um, some uh, experts suggesting these things. So we deal with it again by giving voice to experts. And I think that uh, the society has now the, the big picture and that these uh, things are out of uh, mm -hmm. question. Um yeah, it's, it's just I think I think you're right. I mean, giving giving voice to experts is is probably the best way of of dealing with that and lending them your audience and 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 the media obviously have have the reach and experts have the knowledge. So I think it's a, it's a natural, very natural partnership. Um, one of the things that sometimes, well, more often than not, comes up um, is around the idea of, of censorship because some people and and I and I kind of have sympathy for the argument that says, oh, why don't we or, or governments or, or social media companies not just, just ban, just outright ban and block the, these conspiracy theories from appearing on, say, YouTube or Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram or whatever? Why don't, why, don't, why don't governments just shut down these sites and, and, and do more to, to protect people? And I, I kind of understand why there is that notion, but I'm also a little bit skeptical because... Obviously, you know, there's a fine line between freedom of speech and, 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 and hate speech. And I can't just get around the fact that actually media literacy is the way you inoculate people from this stuff. Um, but I mean, what, do, you, do you think it's a good idea? Do you think governments and, and social media companies should do more to, to start censoring this stuff? And don't get me wrong, social media companies are doing more. They are very much reacting to this. Um, but I'm just wondering if, if there's something, if there's, there should be more censorship around, around these things. Um. There is a very tight line there. I mean, democracy on one hand and then uh, spreading all these fake news on the other hand. I think that social media should do more when it comes to coordinated spreading of fake news, which is another thing uh, that we need to look at. Uh, a bit. What do you mean by coordinated? Yeah. Uh, but... When it comes to uh, like actual persons that write any type of uh, misinformation, I don't think that there is much to do. I mean, those people need to uh, be uh, avoided by other people rather than uh, the actual social media networks and, and all the others. I mean, people need to be educated when it comes to media literacy. Uh, in order not to believe um, a specific person that spreads uh, any type of uh, conspiracy theories and fake news. But then we have another issue, and that is the big problem. I'm uh, talking about a coordinate, uh, coordinated campaign promoting fake news and misinformation. That's a very serious issue. Um, a very serious issue of our time. Could, could you could you expand on that? What do you mean by coordinated misinformation campaigns? Like, do, you, do you have any examples of? Uh, well, we we've heard uh, many stories regarding the role of uh, specific countries uh, mm. promoting all kind of uh, fake information in social media, either via bots or any other fake accounts or via uh, weird websites, which are, uh, are called news websites, but are nowhere near that. Um, I don't want to get... Uh, There's no, no need to name and shame, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm avoiding that. But as a journalist, I know that, for example, the European Union has uh, facts, names, and addresses of specific countries and governments that spread such things we need to do something about them mm. and, and what do you think 
because obviously this is something that of course affects governments and and economies and countries etc um but as an individual who potentially comes across this stuff is there any way that you as a journalist are able to notice these things or, or how, how do you go about seeing that this is okay this is a coordinated website or this is a part of a bigger campaign we need to ignore that we need to debunk that like what kind of skills or tools or tips um can you suggest that that we can do to just be better prepared to, to not succumb to this kind of stuff because i know I, I completely agree with you i think governments need to do more a big question is what uh, and i think that's the million dollar question now what it what can what can be done um and there are some good examples of you know education initiatives and media literacy initiatives um that 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 do work that would do work around around this stuff but what can we as individuals um do to sort of better prepare ourselves or better arm ourselves against this stuff well obviously it's not hard to get uh, to fail in these traps uh but at the same time um i'm not sure whether it's right to go out and say you know that is, there are these stories which are fake news and report them as such. I'm not sure that you are, hel whether you are helping them in this way or uh, you are helping your public to avoid uh, failing in these traps. Mm. I haven't come, uh, I haven't come to a conclusion yet because having in mind that there is a tendency uh to easily believe these stories um i'm wondering uh, whether uh some people will go out and say you know um uh, mass media are um, promoting that these stories are fake but no they are the fake ones and uh um those are the real ones especially mm. when we have uh presidents of countries uh, addressing the media as fake news and i'm yeah. staying there <laughs> <laughs> i will not get into more details now um i i think i think no more really needs to be said on there i think we uh <laughs> we can let you deduce um what 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 presidents or presidents we're uh we're potentially referring to but um but but you're right, and that is and that is a a major um major issue, and I think it's an ethical journalism question, isn't it? Because, like you said, and and you can come across these conspiracy websites quite easily, and they will always say, oh, you know, the mainstream media is controlled by the government, or controlled by this big society, or controlled by somebody. Um, always controlled obviously and they're spouting these specific messages and they're shutting this stuff down and they don't want you to hear about it and then when the media sort of react and cover these stories and debunk them it's almost like this foolproof mental sort of cycle that you're in because it's like oh well they're covering it and debunking it because they know it's real but they have to prove it's fake i don't know if you're following like it's it's that kind of narrative that is is actually really powerful because it 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 puts the person that's been manipulated by this information in this kind of self-professing loop where they can't they will not believe anybody else other than that narrative because that narrative has told them that everybody else is lying to them and everybody else is controlled by a government or everybody else is controlled by a corporation and it's incredibly hard to break that once you're in that cycle it's it's like brainwashing but at the same time uh their narratives uh, you see them and you wonder why do people follow such logics? And I'm bringing another example from my country that happened yesterday. Somebody sent an SMS uh, to um, a scientist that a head scientist that advises the government here in Cyprus, suggesting that you know uh, you need to back up. Obviously, you are working for the Antichrist. <laughs> and uh, as soon as the vaccine for COVID-19 is out, you're going to be promoting the vaccine of Satan. I I'm talking about a person that is 35 years old. The police have found him this day and they 
uh, today and they um, arrested them, arrested him. Uh, but I'm wondering how these people are talking about mainstream media, but at the same time, they believe th these things. I mean, it, it's, it's paranoid what's going on with uh, fake news. And the, the, the thing here in Cyprus is that we didn't have such examples in the past. This is the first example of the anti-vaccine movement here in Cyprus. And obviously these people read what is going on in other countries in the West. Mm. Yeah, I know, of course, of course. And then they, and you know, the, the beauty of information and the beauty of the internet is that you can, you can learn about anything going on anywhere. Um, but that's a double-edged sword because you can also pick up misinformation that's going on anywhere. And if you're not able to critically think or if you want to believe these narratives to be true or if you are more susceptible to these narratives, you can pick them up even if they're not in Cyprus and they're you know, being created in the UK or whatever. Um, you you can then pick them up and accidentally export them to your own country, which is which is heavily problematic. And you know, like something like that is is sadly not even shocking to me because, um, I mean, the antichrist is 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 a, is a new one, but the anti the, the anti vaxxer movement is, is is growing definitely. Um, it's it's linked to the whole five G conspiracy, and it's gonna pose if it continues to grow a issue for when a vaccine comes out for this for this virus because if people aren't going to vaccinate themselves or worse i think not vaccinate their kids we're never going to really get rid of it or we're going to have a real big issue and it just shows and it won't have any point the the fact that now we are suffering to deal with the pandemic so we can gain time to have a vaccine yeah so if, the, if they are not going to vaccine themselves, what was the point of all this? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we, it, and, and, and it just boggles the mind. But one thing that I find interesting that you said is the, is the, is the why, like why these narratives? Um, and I think that's probably another million dollar question as to why people believe this stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious about that because I wonder if it's one, people wanting to believe that there is more, that they want to believe that there is this kind of hidden truth that they don't know. And maybe reality is a bit too boring. You know, an animal um, transferring this, vi this virus to humans, you know, a bat transferring this virus um, to humans is a bit too beige. It's a bit too vanilla. There's got to be something else in there. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's that kind of narrative of almost wanting to believe that it's hidden, that someone's at fault, that we got... Because the sad reality is, is that with this pandemic, there is no one that we can really blame. You know, it's just something that happened. Yes, government should have been more prepared and all this kind of stuff. But reality is that it's a sad situation that we've got to deal with, but nobody really is to blame. And I think that's quite difficult. But if it's built in a lab or whatever else, people can blame somebody. Of course, it wasn't and none of that's true. But maybe there is this want to believe that narrative. Yeah, I spoke with uh, a psychiatrist psychiatrist yesterday asking him, asking him these questions and he was giving me these answers. I mean, it's the human nature, he said, uh, for some people, obviously. <laughs> they always want to find more. They, they always think that there is something else behind all of this. They, 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 they Search for explanations that cannot be given by science, cannot be supported by facts. There is always something darker than the, the picture that they have in front of them. Therefore, um, many people will start, especially now that they are in their houses doing nothing, to search for these answers. And they obviously, uh, and it's easier for them to believe just the guy that sits in front of a computer describing all these kind of theories um, at YouTube rather than a scientist uh, that has spent his life searching uh, facts for viruses, 
for uh, research <laughs> and all kind of things. It's it's amazing. But yeah, you, I think that you need a psychiatrist to ask to to answer this question. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, and it's it, it kind of doesn't paint a good picture for the human condition if whenever we think of something and we think, oh, there's got to be more. It's as you say, it's always darker. It's never a more positive story or a more positive conspiracy. It's always incredibly dark. The somehow the Antichrist is involved, or you know, this new technology or, or something even weirder um, comes out the woodworks. And I'm sure. I'm sure that you heard the story about the vaccine uh, of COVID nineteen that has chips, little chips that. Uh, Microsoft has prepared for us to uh, make bitcoins out of our bodies. No, I haven't heard this one. This is new to well, me. It's a new one. <laughs> I mean, I've heard a lot of stories about Bill Gates and, and Microsoft, um, which is, I guess, what happens if you are rich and wanting to help. People automatically assume, oh, he's got to have an ulterior motive. No, no one's a nice person. He's got to have an ulterior motive. He's obviously trying to sell our organs or, or do something bizarre. Um, and, it, and it's garbage. It, there's no factual evidence behind it. But again, it's, it's the emotional attachment to wanting to believe something more or wanting to see something more. Um, and, and, I, and I was actually kind of wondering, sort of why is this increasing? But maybe it's as simple as what you said. You know, pe- people are at home. Um, some people have lost their jobs or, or have been um, kept out of work or working from home and you've got a lot more free time on your hands. Not everybody, obviously, um, but quite a lot of people. And free time plus paranoia or, or fear during this pandemic mixed with the internet is probably a terrible combination. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with this. I think um, at least when it comes to the increase of this phenomenon, uh, the last month, yeah, it's probably related to this combination of um, uh, of the environment that we live in, uh, which is pretty similar, we must admit, in almost every country in the world. I mean, we've got restrictions everywhere right now. So uh, we uh, notice this type of um, things in all over the world these days. Yeah. That's why, while Cyprus didn't have these types of um, uh, conspiracy theories, now we have them. Yeah, yeah, of course, because it's, it's getting exported, it's spreading. It's 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 ironic because it's almost like a digital version of of of, of, a, of a coronavirus where it's where it's spreading, and because none of us are inoculated with with media literacy, or not many of us are inoculated with media literacy, or have been taught that this is kind of stuff, um, and how to you know not be uh influenced or, or impacted by this it it becomes easier for it to for it to spread and, and to grip our imagination I, I will bring another example uh comes to my mind last week i had um, a doctor a british doctor actually uh which is um head of one of the teams of the world health organization that studies viruses right mm-hmm. So this guy comes out and tell us uh, basic, basically what we knew, what we already knew at that time. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's important because it comes out of the mouth of some someone official, an expert. Yeah. So a guy comes to us, it comes to me and says, you know, why did why did you? Uh, interview this guy he didn't add anything um he, it's the same things it's like people are expecting always the darker side of of things why do the you expect in front of you confirming <coughs> all those things we told you last week now we've got an expert from the, the world health organization Suggesting the same things, exactly the same things that the one uh, that with the ones that we are telling you last week. He thinks that something is wrong here. Is that kind of weird? I don't know. 
scratch at the back uh, back of your neck or something being like oh something's not true or something's not true or something's not true and in reality of course it's just you being a little bit paranoid but where do you think this comes from like why why do you think that we have this kind of this kind of belief that oh it's it's not the full story or, or there must have been something darker i mean we know we talked about human condition and that but do you think there's something else in there um there's always been these comments about the media reporting on obviously tragedies and rarely covering positive stories and all this kind of stuff do you feel like that's potentially something that's played in people's minds around it or? well the, the 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 amount of information that we deliver to people these days is crazy mm. to start with so when people are sitting all day at home listening to all this information telling them what to do with their lives you need to stay home you don't you will not go to work tomorrow this sector is closed um you are not allowed to go and visit your mother or you're not allowed to see your grandchild because we need to fight this virus you are not allowed to go to the beach, even though this this uh, this year you are not allowed to go to the beach yet, even though that the temperatures here in Cyprus are going up and up. Yeah, it must be boiling. So yeah, I believe that the information they are uh, the, the negative information that we put to people, not to frighten them, but to make them careful and make them understand the danger. If we just uh, go out and say that we're not following science. We will do whatever we want. They, they are. It's not easily accepted. All this, it, mm. people are very skeptical. But this is only. Um, this is not the majority. No, no, of course. If it was the majority, we we would have problems. So, yeah, we need to find um, a way to pursue these guys as well. And at the same time, um, answer questions. Yeah. And uh, be very, very specific and uh, very uh, straightforward on what's going on and repetitive <laughs> if we must. Yeah. And I think, and I think we very much must be, at least for the time being, um, be be repetitive and um, ensure that people are um, getting fact-based information um, and media literacy practitioners being repetitive to be critical and think critically when when engaging with information online. Um, one thing that quite often comes amongst journalism is a very um, sometimes perceived as a as a closed industry from from for a lot of people like it's quite hard to to go into journalism it's quite a difficult industry to to break into especially now in in the uk i don't know how it, how it is in, in in cyprus but that creates a lot of sort of myth and mysticism about how journalism actually works and you know you got some people believe that oh it's just like any other blog site you know you write an article and it goes online you do maybe a quick grammar check spell check possibly and that's it which of course is couldn't be further from the truth um so with with alpha tv for example when as an editor um how do you go about you know i, I don't know commissioning a journalist for instance or, or getting a pitch from a journalist agreeing to that pitch and then fact checking what they do before it before it goes online like what's what's the kind of process of of that story uh, before it goes online first of all um there are lines when it comes on how we do research who do we give voice to not in terms of um uh, you know we're not speaking to that people but mm. the right people for the right subject when it comes to pandemic as i said to you we trust official sources scientists um and all the relevant sectors that are affected, we go to their officials. Mm -hmm. Then we have uh, the scientific research that has been made uh, and published in scientific journals. We are not going out 
saying, for example, that, you know, you can make antiseptic in your home and this is the recipe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny, but not funny because there are, there are websites that do that. But yeah. I've seen that in many websites, even uh, from big media organizations around the world. Well, it's not the right time to tell people start uh, making uh, homemade antiseptic. No, not at all. It's, it's not the right time. And I'm giving an example which is very simple to understand. It's not the right time to ask a scientist which, who, who is a scientist actually, but you know, He's a bit of a Christian as well at the same time. Yeah. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go and make sure that the scientist I'm giving voice to is very specific and he's very serious and uh, knows his responsibility when talking to the society at these difficult times. Mm-hmm. So every journalist has to um, follow these rules, we will not go and tell people uh, our opinion when it comes to public health. We will go to people who are responsible to do that and ask them to speak to the society. Mm-hmm. When an, an information comes in which is not official, we will go to the officials and ask them whether this is true or not. Verified. Verified. We will not go out and uh, suggest that, you know, we have this information, it's exclusive and, you know, and sell uh, clicks or uh, numbers when it comes to TV to prove that we are something different from other media. This is not... uh, a typical time that we need to think and put above everything competition to other media. I think this is very important. This is a time that we need to prove to our readers, to our viewers, that they can trust us for the right reasons. Mm. And I think that's the recipe that we are trying to follow. Yeah. No, I, I think that's... I think that's probably the best way to do it because, uh, like you said, this is not the right time because the wrong information can can seriously harm someone um, and more so can harm many people if they share it and and engage with it. Um, do, you, do you feel like what, what you've mentioned, you know, the experts and making sure that this isn't a time for competition, this isn't a time for, for clickbait, rushing to get something out, to get a one-up on the competition. I feel like that's, that's a very positive cultural shift in the way media pumps out information um but it's also very different to i think the normal state of affairs which is very much let's get the story out before everybody else do you feel like this cultural shift is gonna st- i mean speculative obviously because we can't predict the future but do you feel like this cultural shift of how you go about verifying and getting information do you think it will stick once the pandemic's over or do you think we might end up falling back into a quicker, more clickbaity form of form of, of, of media. In my opinion, you need um, to look forward and look to the future and think that you know you might not have gains in the near future, but if you are trustworthy towards your audience, in the long run, you will have gains. Mm. Um, I'm not sure whether um, the pressure that you have from owners, from uh, directors, from others um, will let you work forever in this mode. (laughs) But uh, when it comes to my perspective and the team that I'm handling here, uh, I will always have this um, uh, this opinion, and I'm trying to infuse them this type of culture of journalism and the way we cover things and uh, we make news. Um, I always have fights regarding my, you know, the the way I question things 
before we publish something. Um, it's not pleasant. It, it's not always uh, very pleasant. This, but I will always insist that we have a very huge uh, responsibility when it comes to society. And yeah, the pandemic is a great example. It's a great lesson on how wrong information could destroy a society's a whole society's um, effort to get out of this crisis. Can you imagine if we if we go out now and start telling people that you know uh, we can compare um, other illnesses and uh, the COVID is uh, actually innocent and it doesn't kill people and look at the figures and all this kind of wrong uh, <laughs> completely misinformed yeah I mean it takes just two media organizations for a country uh, in the size of Cyprus to do that and everything is destroyed yeah yeah no true 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 and um and then that's why the role of the media is so so imperative not just i mean I, I think the pandemic has really made people journalists see it um but just but just in general in society and, and for a democracy to be successful and to work you need to have a media that is responsive and responsible um with with the content they put out um and and I've, I feel like, although there is, as you say, a sort of potentially temporary, hopefully long-term shift within within media, um, do you see that there is also a shift in regards to audiences? Because it, it's the people in the end of the day that, that drive things. And if they want things immediately and care less about the factual nature of, of the things, but the fact that they, they put them out first, then naturally the, the, the shift will, will, will go back to what it was. But if people's habits and and not just the culture and journalism but if the culture in general changes to we don't want things quickly we want things to be done well and fact check properly um do you then i think that that cultural shift in media is is then bolstered by by the audiences wanting that same thing do you feel like audiences now are wanting more of that and are shifting towards that okay supposedly i'm a reader that wants uh to follow fast news. I will always want to um, learn uh, news stories first. And uh, I trust the media that gives me um, this information first. If, uh, for example, giving me uh, this information very fast proves to be unworthy of my trust because uh, those information were not delivered in the right way. This will happen once, this will happen twice, maybe a third time. But after that, if you del deliver wrong information or fake news, obviously I'm, I'm gonna turn some somewhere else uh, for my sources. Unless you never think that that's false news or misinformation in the first place. Yeah, but, you know, in a small society like Cyprus, you will go out. We are very, we are a very close society. We will go out and sit for a coffee, like 10 people discussing, you know, we are in the Mediterranean, that spirit of family <laughs> and, and feastings and all that. So people generally discuss discuss uh, with other people and they are very open. Therefore, someone who has false information will come across people who have the right information and, we, and they will tell him, you know, that's not accurate. <laughs> Why do you believe that? <laughs> and, and this is kind of helping um, the society to be uh, a more... Uh, more careful when it comes to media. And I think that helps us. At the same time, journalists must start taking feedback from people in the right way. Uh, what do I mean now? I mean that, you know, people ask us questions. For example, now we are raising the measures. 
there are numerous questions now in my email. How will um, something work from Monday and on? What, uh, what do we have to do in, if we are in this situation? That feedback could become new stories answered, answering their questions from official sources. Mm. If you provide them, if you provide your audience correct answers to their questions, it is a way to gain their trust and respect because people at the end of the day want to be informed in the right way. Of course. Yeah. It will make their life practical. So, yeah, this is um, a possibility that online journalism gives us. This direct uh, communication with the audience that I think that we should invest in the future in our uh, effort to educate our audiences. No, that's really important. Very, very, very important. And um, um, I, I was actually going to also ask about what, what, what people can do, but I think you've, you've kind of put it in there quite nicely where, as you say, you know, in, in Cyprus, but in every country, you know, people talk, people come together as friends in, in wherever, obviously digitally at the moment, but, um, you know, come together as friends and so forth and, and discuss. And it almost comes down to individual responsibility, I think, in a way, because journalists have a responsibility to verify and, and make sure that the news they, they share is factually correct and is verified in, in the most the most advanced way possible at that moment in time, of course, and um, and so on. But people also potentially have, I would argue, a responsibility to not just share that factual information, but if you hear someone or if you see something shared that is misinformed or, or just factually incorrect, it's, I would say, your responsibility as, as a friend of that person to make sure they don't spread it more. Um do you know what I mean? Like it's it's and it's hard because the last thing you want to do is say to a friend, "Look, mate, the thing you're sharing is not." <laughs> it's like, where did you hear that? Um, but I feel like it's something that we need to do as as a society, because and not in a nasty way. You don't have to start calling them names and being, "Ah, oh, you're a lunatic" or whatever. But just saying, actually, you know what? That's actually not true. It's been debunked by X, Y, and Z, and and this is the correct thing. I think if people started doing that in general. Um, we would be able to tackle this issue of misinformation easier because it's not just because it's not just a responsibility. I would argue of a journalist or, or the government or social media companies to vet this stuff. It's not just a responsibility of individuals. It's, it's a individual. common responsibility. Exactly. We all need to help each other to have, at the end of the day, the right information. When it, when I come across people that believe to such kind of things, crazy things, I ask them this. Why do you believe something that reads or sounds totally crazy and you don't believe something that sounds more logical and more simple? They don't have an answer to that. And that brings us to the previous conversation we have. But my advice to people is that what sounds or reads totally crazy, it, it's probab it probably is. Yeah. It's like that old saying, isn't it? If something's too good to be true, it probably is. <laughs> if something sounds crazy, looks crazy, and is not based in fact, it probably is crazy and is not based in total fact. Um, and we've al we've almost got to stop consistently trying to find a story within a story. Sometimes a story is what it says on the tin, um, and that's that. Um, Nicholas, thank you so much. Um, for people that want to um, follow your work or follow you, where can they uh, read or um, engage with you on social media and and on the website? Well, you can find me in Twitter. Uh, it's uh, with double N double T. Um, Zanetos N, and then you can find me in Facebook, uh, Nicolas Zanetos, my name. Um, yeah, and keep in touch if you want my email, it's n.zanetos 
at alphacypress.com.cy if you have anything that you want to discuss or any other colleagues that want to cooperate, I'm here. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Nicholas. Absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening to Media Minded, the podcast that helps you tell facts from fiction, produced by Shoutout UK, recorded and edited by Sabina McKenzie-Brown. This podcast is made possible thanks to the kind support and sponsorship of the US Embassy here in London and the Global Engagement Centre at the US State Department.